Chapter Twelve of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Hannah Parrott. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter Twelve. If thou canst see not, hast thou ears to hear? Or is thy soul too as a leaf that dies? Well, after all, life has its compensations, says Mr. Beauclerk, sinking upon the satin lounge beside Miss Kavanagh, and giving way to a rapturous sigh. He is looking very big and very handsome. His close-cropped, eminently aristocratic head is thrown a little back, to give full play to the ecstatic smile he is directing at Joyce. She bears it wonderfully. She receives it indeed with all the amiable imbecility of a person who doesn't understand what on earth you are talking about. Whether this reception of his little opening speech, so carefully prepared, puzzles or nettles Mr. Beauclerk, there is no way of learning. He makes no sign. I thought I should never be able to get a dance with you, you see, smiling, when one is the belle of the evening, one grows difficult. But you might have kept a fifth or sixth for a poor outsider like me, an old friend too. Old friends don't count at a dance, I'm afraid, says she, with a smile as genial as his own, though for the matter of that, you could have had the first no one hard as it may be to make you believe it had asked the bell of the evening for that this is not quite true many had asked for it dysart amongst others but she had kept it open for the one who didn't want it however fibs of this sort one blinks at where pretty girls are the criminals her tone is delicately sarcastic she would willingly suppress the sarcasm altogether as beneath her, but she is very angry, and when a woman is angry there is generally somebody to pay. Oh, that first, says he, with a gesture of impatience. I shan't forgive Isabel in a hurry about that. She ruined my evening, up to this. However, throwing off, as it were, unpleasant memories by a shake of his head, don't let me spoil my one good time by dwelling upon a bad one. Here I am now, at all events. Here is comfort, here is peace. The hour I have been longing for is mine at last. It might have been yours considerably earlier, says Miss Kavanagh, with very noteworthy deliberation, unmoved by his lover-like glances, which, after all, have more truth in them than most of his declarations. She sits playing with her fan, and with a face expressionless as any sphinx. "'Oh, my dear girl,' says Mr. Beauclerk reproachfully, "'how can you say that? You know in one sister's house one must, eh? And she laid positive commands on me.' "'To dance the first dance with Miss Maliphant?' "'Now that's not like you,' says Mr. Beauclerk very gently." It's not just. When I found Miss Dunscombe engaged for that ridiculous quadrille, what could I do? You were engaged to Blake. 
i was looking aimlessly round me cursing my luck in that i had not thrown up even my sister's wishes and secured before it was too late the only girl in the room i cared to dance with when isabel came again not dancing says she and there's miss maliphant over there partnerless he tells all this with as genuine an air as if it were not false from start to finish you know isabel says he laughing airily she takes the oddest fancies at times miss maliphant is her latest craze though what she can see in her a nice girl thoroughly nice essentially real a little too real perhaps with a laugh so irresistible that even miss kavanagh against her will is compelled to join in it honest all through i admit but as a waltzer well well we shouldn't be too severe but really there you know she leaves everything to be desired and i've been victimised not once but twice three times it is nothing remarkable says miss kavanagh coldly many very charming girls do not dance well it is a gift a very precious one when a charming girl can't waltz she ought to learn how to sit down charmingly and not oppress innocent people as for miss maliphant throwing out his large handsome hands expressively she certainly should not dance her complexion doesn't stand it did you notice her no icily ah you wouldn't you know i could see how thoroughly well occupied you were not a thought for even an old friend and besides you're a girl in ten thousand nothing petty or small about you now another woman would not have failed to notice the fatal tendency towards rubicundity that marks miss maliphant's nose whenever i do so dislike discussing people behind their backs says miss kavanagh slowly i always think it's so unfair they can't defend themselves it's like maligning the dead miss maliphant isn't dead at all events she is dreadfully alive says mr beauclerk totally unabashed he laughs gaily to refuse to be lectured was a rule he had laid down for his own guidance early in life those people who will not see when they ought to be offended have generally the best of the game would you have her dead asked joyce with calm interrogation i don't remember saying i would have her anyway says he still evidently clinging to the frivolous mood and at all events i wouldn't have her dancing it disagrees with her nose it makes her suggestive it betrays one into the making of bad parodies one i made to-night when looking at her i couldn't resist it for once in her life you see she was irresistible hear it oh my love's got a red red nose ha ha not half bad eh it kept repeating itself in my brain all the time i was looking at her i thought you liked her says joyce lifting her large dark eyes for the first time to his beautiful eyes a little shocked now a little cold almost entreating surely surely he will not destroy her ideal of him you think i am censorious says he readily cruel almost but to you with delicate flattery surely i may speak to you as i would speak to no other may i not 
he leans a little forward and compelling the girl's reluctant gaze goes on speaking it chafes him that she should put him on his defence but some one divine instinct within him warns him not to break with her entirely still says he in a low tone always with his eyes on hers i see that you condemn me condemn ye no why should i be your judge you are however and my judge and jury too i cannot bear to think that you should despise me and all because of that wretched girl i don't despise you says the girl quickly if you were really despicable i should not like you as well as i do i am only sorry that you should say little unkind things of a girl like miss maliphant who if not beautiful is surely to be regarded in a very kindly light do you know says mr beauclerk gently i think you are the one sweet character in the world there is a great amount of belief in his tone perhaps half of it is honest i never met any one like you women as a rule are willing to tear each other to pieces but you you condone all faults that is why i a pause he leans forward his eyes are eloquent his tongue alone refrains from finishing the declaration that he had begun to the girl beside him however ignorant of subterfuge unknowing of the wiles that run in and out of society like a thread his words sound sweet the sweeter for the very hesitation that accompanies them i am not so perfect as you think me says she rather sadly her voice a little faint that is true says he quickly as though compelled against his will to find fault with her a while ago you were angry with me because i was driven to waste my time with people uncongenial to me that was unfair if you like he throws her own accusation back at her in the gentlest fashion i dance with this that and the other person it is true but do you not know where my heart was all this time he pauses for a moment just long enough to make more real his question but hardly long enough to let her reply to it to bring matters to a climax would not suit him at all yes you do know says he seeing her about to speak and yet you misjudge me if if i were to tell you that i would rather be with you than with any other woman in the world you would believe me wouldn't you he stoops over her and taking her hand presses it fondly lingeringly answer me yes says joyce in a low tone it has not occurred to her that his words are a question rather than an asseveration that he loves her seems to her certain a soft glow illumines her cheeks her eyes sink beneath his the idea that she is happy or at all events ought to be happy fills her with a curious wonderment do people always feel so strange so surprised so unsure when love comes to them yet you did doubt says beauclerk giving her hand a last pressure and now nestling back amongst his cushions with all the air of a man who has fought and conquered and has been given his reward well don't let us throw an unpleasant memory into this happy hour as i have said taking up her fan and idly if gracefully waving it to and fro after all the turmoil of the fight it is sweet to find oneself at last in the haven where one would be
he is smiling at joyce the gayest the most candid smile in the world smiles become him he is looking really handsome and happy at finding himself thus alone with her sincerity declares itself in every line of his face perhaps he is as sincere as he has ever yet been in his life the one thing that he unquestionably does regard with interest beyond his own poor precious bones is the exquisite bit of nature's workmanship now sitting beside him at this present moment in spite of his flattering words his smiles and telling glances she is still a little cold a little uncertain a phase of manner that renders her indescribably charming to the one watching her beauclerc indeed is enjoying himself immensely to a man of his temperament to be able to play upon a nature as fine as honest as pure as joyce's is to know a keen delight that the girl is dissatisfied vaguely nervously dissatisfied he can read as easily as though the workings of her soul lay before him in broad type and to assuage those half-defined misgivings of hers is a task that suits him he attacks it con amore how silent you are says he very gently when he has let quite a long pause occur i am tired i think of me no of what then he has found that as a rule there is nothing a woman likes better than to be asked to define her own feelings joyce however disappoints him i don't know sitting up so late i suppose look here says he in a voice so full of earnest emotion that joyce involuntarily stares at him i know what is the matter with you you are fighting against your better nature you are trying to be ungenerous you are trying to believe what you know is not true tell me honestly mind are you not forcing yourself to regard me as a monster of insincerity you are wrong says she slowly i am forcing myself on the contrary to believe you a very giant of sincerity and you find that difficult yes an intense feeling of admiration for her sways beauclerc how new a thing to find a girl so beautiful with so much intelligence surely instinct is the great lever that moves humanity why has not this girl the thousands that render miss maliphant so very desirable what a petite on the part of mother nature alas it would be too much to expect from that niggardly dame beauty intelligence wealth all rolled into one personality impossible you are candid says he his tone sorrowful that is what one should always be says she in turn you are too stern a judge how shall i convince you exclaims he of what he leaves open if i were to swear do not says she quickly well i won't but joyce he pauses purposefully it is the first time he has ever called her by her christian name and a little soft colour springs into the girl's cheeks as she hears him you know says he you do know it is a question but again what what does she know he had accredited her with remarkable intelligence a moment ago but as a fact the girl's knowledge of life is but a poor thing in comparison with that of the man of the world 
she belies her intelligence on the spot yes i think i do says she shyly in fact she is longing to believe to be sure of this thing that to her is so plain that she is omitted to notice that he has never put it into words you will trust in me says he yes i trust you says she simply a pretty gloved hand is lying on her lap raising it he presses it passionately to his lips joyce with a little nervous movement withdraws it quickly the colour dies from her lips even at this supreme moment does doubt hold her in thrall her face is marvellously bright and happy however as she rises precipitately to her feet much to beauclerk's relief it has gone quite far enough he tells himself five minutes more and he would have found himself in a rather embarrassing position really these pretty girls are very dangerous come we must go back to the ballroom says she gaily we have been here an unconscionable time i am afraid my partner for this dance has been looking for me and will scarcely forgive my treating him so badly if i had only told him i wouldn't dance with him he might have got another partner and enjoyed himself better to have loved and lost quotes beauclerk in his airiest manner it is so airy that it strikes joyce unpleasantly surely after all after she pulls herself together angrily is she always to find fault with him must she have his whole nature altered to suit her taste ah there is dicky brown says she glancing from where she is now standing at the door of the conservatory to where mr brown may be seen leaning against a curtain with his lips curved in a truly benevolent smile End of chapter twelve